It's National Auto Care's Fixed Ops 5, an APCO holding brand podcast. Powered by passion with your host, Corey Smith. Welcome to Fixed Ops 5. I'm your host, Corey Smith, National Fixed Operations Training Manager with APCO Holdings. Today, I'm being joined by Brooke Furness, founder of BZ Consultants Group and host of Facts Not Feelings podcast. Brooke, welcome to Fixed Ops 5. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be on here, Corey. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me in here today. Man, I can't wait to get through this discussion with you. We're going to talk about tips on retaining your customer. But really, before we get into that, Brooke, tell our audience who you are, how you got in the car business, and what is BZ Consultants? And I I love the name of the podcast too, Facts Not Feelings. So tell us all about that. Yeah. So I am the founder, as you said, and CEO of BZ Consultants Group. And we've been called a lot of things, some things I cannot say on this air because we'd probably get kicked off. But more or less, the reason the whole reason I started the company was to be a champion for the dealer and those in the dealership and to have a let them have a voice. We are product agnostic. Like I said, we've been called things like a fractional CMO. We've been called an auditor, but we're product agnostic and we're there to inspect what should be expected out of digital vendors. So whether it's on the sell side, whether it's on the fixed op side, what's on the marketing side, hey, yeah, that lead that all those leads that are coming in, what's actually happened with those? Okay, the ad that just went out, whether that sells, service, fixed ops, what exactly happened with the copy good? Was it bad? Okay, it got into our BDC. Okay, maybe that's what's happening there. Or maybe the copy wasn't great. So we look at all the different things and really hold the vendors accountable and then pull back that curtain and say, all right, Mr. And Mrs. Dealer, this is what's happening with your money, with your data that hopefully that you own. If you don't, we'll walk you through on how you can own that. And it's really just at the end of the day, just be a championship or well, hopefully be a championship, but be a champion for the dealer. And as for the podcast, name of the show, Facts Not Feelings. I'm really, really big on just focusing on the facts, setting those feelings aside and saying, all right, what's really happening? You may feel that that ad's not working, or you may feel that that mailer did a really good job, but let's actually dive into the metrics and the true data and pick that apart and say, all right, this did really, really well. Let's look how we can improve it. Or it didn't do so well. Let's look how we can do better on it. And all that garbly gook of the data that gets thrown at dealers and like, what the crap is this? That's where we step in and say, let's turn all that garbly gook, turn it into a language that you really understand and turn that into actionable items. And that's what we're all here to do, whether it's through my company and same thing with facts, not feelings, bringing on every and anyone, doesn't matter if it's on the dealer side, on the vendor side, wherever it may be, and just moving automotive industry forward. I love that. I always tell people that uh, people lie, numbers don't, right? So when I saw your podcast, facts, not feelings, I'm like, oh, this is my people. I love this. <laughs> So thank you for telling us a little bit more about you and what you're all about. When did you get in the car business? Oh man, that's a great question. So I officially made the trend. I think we have all just kind of like a lot of us just fall into the industry. I have loved cars for as long as I can remember, but I actually got in the industry in 2000, I think it was 2010, I want to say, but as a young kid, I was, I have three older, I have three brothers. And as like a nine and eight year old, I would be in the back seat when my any of my family members would go get a good car and I'd be back there. I'm like, nope, it's Mr. And Mrs. Salesperson. That's actually not the specs of the car. I let me tell you about the specs of the car. So I've always loved cars as long as I can remember, but made the transition from the medical field into our wonderful automotive industry in around 2009, 2010. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing all of that. That's great. So let's jump right into the podcast. Uh, let's talk about retention, oh. right? What is your definition of customer retention? 
Well, in the words, words of Tolly Williams, repeat and referral business, that is retention. And so often in our industry, we focus so much on the acquisition and you go down any of these conferences and they're just lined with acquire customers, acquire a customer. We don't have a problem acquiring customers. We have a problem retaining our customers. Mm-hmm. That is a huge, huge problem because we sell the vehicle and we're like, see ya. We don't, we're not going to talk to you again for six months. And then we get some type of email or some type of random text. It's like, you need to come in for service. You're like, but I haven't talked to you in six months. Why are you just now doing And just hoping because they bought a warranty with us some or an OEM warranty that they're just going to come back in for service. If that happened any other way, like does Amazon do that? No, Amazon is constantly saying, oh, wait, you were just in here. You might like this. I was, how many of us were on Amazon today? And we get some emails saying, hey, you may be interested in this. They're constantly interacting with us to say, check in, check in, check in, check in. They're personalized that journey. So that retention is not a one and done thing. You don't just buy a vehicle and be like, eh, well, hope we talk to you again some other time. No, you have to constantly be nurturing that relationship and reaching out. And and not just because the CRM told you to reach out. Why are you reaching out? Is there an, is actually an intent for a reason for you to be reaching out to the consumer? Hey, I know that Brooke had some type of uh, life event coming up. Check-in has nothing to do about the car. Just, hey, I heard you, your, your sibling was having a birthday or you had some family event coming up or there's a soccer tournament coming up or, hey, I know she's into Jordans. Hey, did you, did you happen to win? Did you get a W or did you, did you get an L like the rest of us on the new Jordan ones? Oh man, I feel your pain on that. You've automate, automatically made this now the people business versus the car business and you're constantly working on the retention portion of it. I love that, right? Just not even connecting the car, but actually, you know, happy anniversary or, you know, knowing what you're into, right? The Jordans. Oh yeah. Now you're speaking my language. I got a set of dunks on now. So, right. <laughs> so I, I love that definition that you, that you talk about on, on your retention, right? So how much emphasis on the net promoter scores or what we like to call in our industry, the CSI should there be? That's a touchy one, my friend. <laughs> I think it depends on what type of CSI you're reviewing. If it's an OEM CSI, that's difficult for a lot of reasons because some of those can be set up to put the dealer to fail. Mm-hmm. And anyone that's watching this is probably like, oh, you might be speaking my language now. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've been on that side where like, all right, so you're in for express service. Oh, did you set an appointment? Well, no, it was express service. Oh, all right, well, we're going to automatically dock you. Well, how can I set an appointment if it's express service? So it's. I think it depends on what you're actually measuring. If you're truly wanting to know what your net promoter score is, and it's done in a product agnostic environment, that that is actually a very, very good thing. If it's done in a way to somehow with the intent to penalize someone where they don't have a choice, like you're putting these questions up where it's a lose-lose situation, what are you measuring? What's the point of this? When I look at, when I literally look at some of these CSI surveys that come in and be like, we should never have to do this. You're, you're not putting people up to, you know, they're, they're just setting them up to fail. Why do I have to fill this out? Not necessarily a good thing. Or there's some of these other awards out there that are pay for play. Those aren't good. Those aren't a good reflection of what really is happening. But when you can do a product agnostic or a third party way of doing it to look back and say, all right, not only is this a good net performer scorer, but we're in, a, we're in a, a company where they're actually going to do something about it. That's what it matters. Because I know as a, not only as an employee, that that first time you do it and it's a real net performer score as an employee, wait a second, 
now my company's going to do something about it. And you trust them as an employee, if you are not as an employee, as a consumer, you start filling out those CSI reports that are legitimate. And you can see that the, the business at hand is actually listening to you. How many times I, I fly Delta a lot. Delta within 24 hours sends me a, a survey and says, what can we do to improve? And I can tell you a lot of the suggestions that I've made, obviously other people have made them and they've made those changes. So I know that they're actually listening to me. So it really comes down to the quality of survey that's being sent to the business. I like that. It's almost like you talked about earlier is personalizing that connection, right? So when you're just sending out a, a, a survey to a customer that did quick lane, right? And you're asking them, did you make an appointment? No, it's quick lane. I just drove in, right? So the advisor gets dinged for that, mm -hmm. right? Or when I was a service advisor, I made the next service appointment for that customer. Yeah. So when the customer would get that survey, they would say, well, no, Corey made it for me. I would get dinged for that. But yet halfway down was saying, <laughs> did the advisor make the, <laughs> make the appointment for you? I'm just like, I can't win. Right. Yes. Oh, it's almost it, so it, frustrating. It, yeah, it's super frustrating. It's almost like going to Madison Square Garden and watching the person put the ball under the cup and moving the cup and trying to figure out where the ball is. Right. Help me help you. Like, so thank you for really. I love the way you said it. Right. When, when it comes to CSI, it should really be based on what metrics are you looking for? Right. Are we looking to, was it fixed right the first time? Okay, let's dive into that, right? Is it, was your vehicle washed before you took it back? Was, did somebody deliver it back to you and take the, the, the seat cover and the hat tag out of there and said, thanks for your business? Let's measure that, right? But all this other stuff, did, did they have refreshments? Well, if you come in the afternoon, no dealership has any donuts left because the sales team and the other waiters have eaten them all, right? Yes. <laughs> So no, I'm not satisfied. I didn't get a cookie. I didn't get a donut, right? So if satisfaction is the true name of the game, what are some tips that the dealership can do now to keep that customer satisfied in sales and in service? I think it goes back to the whole repeat and referral business is that we're, if we're constantly just, once again, if we're focused only on the sell and acquisition of the customer, you're going to fall short every single time. And I've had the discussion multiple times. We were talking about Stephen Avicella offline. And he and I have this discussion all the time. You go to any dealership's website, you go to the homepage, and how much of that homepage is dedicated to selling a freaking vehicle? It's like 90% for the yeah. most part, not all websites. There are a lot of websites that do a very good job to say, hey, let's balance this out. But for the most part, it's about acquiring a vehicle. We just don't have a problem selling a vehicle. Like that's usually not the problem. It's okay, once that warranty runs out, are they really going to come back to you? Because if they're not coming back to you, if they're not servicing with you, they're not going to buy a car from you. And we can buy a car just about anywhere. So what is setting you apart from the rest of all your the other competitors? If I want to buy a Toyota, I want to buy a Honda, Infinity, a B, whatever the OEM it is, what is setting you apart? It's your people. That is what's setting you apart. So how are it from the top on down? What does your training look like? Are you investing in your training? Are you investing in your people? Because your people should be number one. And when you put your people first, they're going to put the customer first. But if you flip flop that around, you're going to lose them. And I'm not coming back to you. And especially as a female in the industry, that is just magnified about 20 fold because I'm the chief purchasing officer. And if you, if I'm brand new into it, the Katie Maris, her book has, talks about this really, really a great, great job with it. 
but you have to have 12 positive deposits for one negative deposit. So if I'm very first out of the gate and you do something to maybe not, it's not super great, you've lost me. You have to have those 12, 12 positive deposits before then, okay, one thing bad happens. Okay, that's okay. You need 12. So that just keeps going. So there's so many things we have to look at and say, all right, what are we doing to retain this customer? Because the best thing you can ever have is someone that says, hey, I refer that company. I refer Brooke. I refer Corey. I refer, refer whatever it is. When someone can refer you, that speaks louder than anything else. 100%. I, I love that. So let's, let's unpack that for a second. So referring the business, right? Taking care of your people, right? How many times have you walked into... Uh, whether it's on the on the lot or in the back of the house at the service department, where all of a sudden everyone's really busy. The, uh, no one is talking to me. No one said hi to me. I'm on the I'm on the sales lot. They're just standing there smoking a cigarette. How does that make your customer feel? Not great. <laughs> no. Everyone wants to be Norm from Cheers. I go back to that all the time, right? Yes. It takes nothing, even if I'm busy and on the phone. Hey, how are you? I'll be with you momentarily, or one of us will help you, right? How yes. hard is that? But for not. whatever reason, they're not being taken care of. They're not, their needs aren't being met. They're mad at the business or they're, it's, this is just a job. It's not a career. They're not treating it like they're professionals. That's where, that's a red flag if I'm the owner going, okay, how do I fix that? Because we all know the true definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. So with that being said, what are some things that the dealer can do to reinvest in his people? Is it, is it surveying his people saying, what do you want? What can I do to help you succeed? Right? Is it that simple? Or is, it, is there some training that they can go to or, or, or a team building thing they can do to, to change that, that, that perspective of how they feel? I think it's all the above. So one again, once again, are you investing in your people? And that's a lot of different things. When I look at stores and you say, okay, first off, you take the service. Uh, you just talk about service and you walk in and no one's there. Does your service team even know the why? Do, they, do you have a mission statement? Do they even know why they're coming to work? Like you can go work anywhere. I mean, depending where you are, heck, you can, if you're, go work at Bucky's and you're, I mean, starting salary there is just crazy. I mean, so why are they working at your store? What is the reason behind it? Do you, as an as a manager, do you know their why? If you don't know their why, that's on you, the manager. Why did you hire them? What did your what is your you're gonna have to strip it down and work work backwards to work for? As I said a lot, work backwards to work for. When you hire someone, what does your hiring process look like? What does your training process look like? What does your onboarding process look like? What does your manager training process look like? Does does everyone every department know? Hey, do you have somewhere either in the in the in your dealership or in a somewhere, somewhere that they can visibly see, if I start as a porter, what do I have to do to be a service director? All right. If I start as reception receptionist, what do, what do I have to do? What are the stages I have to go through to get to X title or non I won't, I hate the word title, but get to X position. Right. Is that mapped out or is it just, well, Brooke's got a really cool last name. So I'm going to promote her. What? No. <laughs> Or I mean, are we just promoting people because they sell a lot of cars? Well, does that make them a team player? No, that just means I sell a lot of cars. So really unpacking that to say, okay, do we know the why? 
Because if you just as an owner, hold on to your mission statement and hold on to why you love the business and you love your, you love your dealership, you're not, you're not sharing that with the rest of your teammates, which is your employees. They don't know why they should be striving towards that goal, which makes it very detrimental because no one knows. And you've got to continue to let them know and continue to train them, invest them, send them to conferences, send them to events, bring in trainers uh, from outside the industry. We get so sometimes tunnel vision that our industry is the end all be all. And it's a great industry. Don't get me wrong. But there are people outside, whether it's social media, whether that's, hey, let's bring in a, a, a public speaker from outside the industry to help help morale. But what does your training process look like? I mean, how often I know that you've probably heard this, that you hear that people in our industry, they're like, well, GMs can go to the 20 groups and all these conferences, but BDC manager, fixed stops. No, you can't go anyone. We, we know what happens. So we're not going to send you to any of these educational conferences. What? What are you doing? <laughs> no. So all these things to look at, what are we doing to invest in our people? And it could be a lot of different things. And that's a, I think that's a whole episode in itself of just leadership and what that actually means and how, how to be the best leader you can and surround yourself with people that are better than you. Yeah. I'm, I, well, so when I do my training classes, I tell people that whether you like it or not, you're on stage, you have to smile and wave and you have to give that customer the best of yourself. And I'll even refer back to, you know, people who got married, right? When you met your significant other's parents, you didn't tell them all the bad things and all the bad habits you have. You gave them the, you told them, I, I treat your, your daughter with the utmost respect. I buy her flowers and I take her out to dinner and I'm this great guy, right? That's what you do. And that's what you got to do for the customer. Because we found out that 86% of your customers will spend more money for a better experience, right? Yep. So now knowing all the stuff that Brooke just said, right? If you're out there listening and you're a dealer, now you can really go back to basics. And I think bringing in people that are not in the industry and having them speak and, and do a, do a rah-rah session. I think it's awesome. I think that's a great idea, right? Um, what are your favorite customer retention programs that you like as a customer, right? Whether it's buying a car or going and buying a cup of coffee, what, what do you like as a customer? So some of the things I can say, like things that I've liked, not only as a, that have had impacts on me, but also that I've seen work really well. Partner, we, we are a community and our, our industry does such a phenomenal job of outreach with the community. So stick with your local community. I'm going to go back to, I love shoes. I have a bit of a Jordan, bit of a Jordan addiction. So if I know that, why am I not partnering with the local kick shop? Okay, great. So I have a local, you know, kick shop. Fantastic. I'm going to partner with them and maybe do gift cards from them. Every time someone buys a car, you know, buys a vehicle for me or comes in for service, I can do a raffle with that. Get involved with social that way. Maybe every time someone, you know, does something with the store, you guys can, someone can do a bakery, some type of local bakery, because now you're getting the local community involved with you, whether, and it can be the sky's the limit on this, but getting the local community involved with that has been, that always works really well because now you've got that, whatever that local places, you've got them now referring clients to you and you're referring, referring clients back to them, which is awesome. The other things I've seen is that we sometimes forget how awesome that handwritten thank you note is. Like, and I use AI all the time. I love AI. I love modern technology, but just sitting down and writing a thank you note, like that speaks so much that someone sat down, took the time and what are stamps now? Like, I don't know, 70 cents now. I don't know what they are now, but they keep going up. But regardless, like you took the time to write a hand note yeah. like that, that speaks so much. So little things like that, where you think, okay, what is someone, 
maybe not doing, but those things that just, those are going to stick out. I can tell you like being, whether it's on shows like this or from even when I was in working in dealerships, some of those things that stuck out to me were those, those personalized little, I'll say they're like gift, gift baskets, if you will, but it wasn't the over the top things. It was just like, but they, the ones that really stuck out were the ones with the little things in them, which were nice, but it was a handwritten notes. So I was like, wow, how did you have time to take the time to do this all? So those things to me is partner with your local community and the handwritten notes, those, they always strike a chord. They always strike a chord. I love that. And, and you were talking earlier about, you know, mental deposits, right? And it's so funny that you mentioned that because the last class I'd had, I said, you don't have the right to ask for a sale if you haven't put enough money into that customer, meaning making those mental deposits, truly listening, right? Then you can, then you can ask, right? And that's so important. That referral program, I love that. I, I love getting with your local community because again, the more you do little things like that, when we do make a mistake, an honest, honest mistake, they're more apt to say, nobody's perfect. They've done all this other stuff, right? I'm still going to keep going there, right? Yeah. My, my vehicle wasn't fixed, right? Or the payment wasn't what they said that I was going to get. That's okay, right? I'm, I'm okay with that. I, I really love that. So what are your top five tips to retaining the customer? This is a big loaded question, right? Mm -hmm. I'm like, only man, five, man, I don't have a narrow list down here. So I'd say first and foremost is personalize the journey. Uh, just because a CRM tells you to do something doesn't mean you need to do it. <laughs> so please stop looking at the CRM to tell you to do everything. So personalize the journey, focus on that repeat and referral retention. Just, I cannot stress this enough that it, it's, unfortunately we have a lot of systems that don't talk to each other, especially with back in front of house. It's very frustrating Believe me, I know uh, for a lot of reasons, it just, that's the world we live in and hopefully it will get better. Fingers crossed on that one. But as much as you can look back and say, okay, Brooke came in for service. She's been in service again. She's been in service again. Brooke's been in service seven times last month. What the heck is going on? Maybe she doesn't need to be in service anymore. Maybe we need to get a new car. And when both back and front of house can work together cohesively, you've got a happy customer. And that right there is where you're going to have the repeat referral business. So just constantly working together as a team and having that customer be happy. So that one is, is really big local community. I cannot stress that enough. That one is such a big one. And a lot of times as our industry, we don't want to boast about us doing the little league uh, team sponsorships or coming for a marketer. I'm going to make you do it though. Because we're trusted as much as a politician. So we need to talk more about that. Get your team involved. I know that there are certain states that are pretty strict on letting your employees do things. I get that. If you're not one of those states, get your employees involved because now they're going to feel like they're a part of the team and they feel like, oh, wait, now I can go and do this as well. I can have, I can be a part of this journey as well. Get your team involved. I don't know what number I'm at right now, Corey. Uh, so let me know if that's five. <laughs> <laughs> those are awesome. I love that. So that's great. And we're, we're right up against the time. Um, so now I'm going to, this is my lightning round, right? Yeah. Uh, what are the three takeaways from this episode in your mind that a service manager, a service advisor, an owner, a GM, or an agent can really take away from this episode? Local community, personalize your message to your consumer, right message, right time, right place, right person, and uh, focus on the repeat and referral business. Love that. How can people get in touch with you? I am everywhere. Uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, 
the Instagram, name a social platform I'm on there. Just look my name up on there. <laughs> All right. If you want to deliver a legendary customer experience that keeps the customer coming back to you and encouraging them to invite their family, their friends into your establishment, then you've caught the gold standard customer service vision. Do you want a more cohesive team that delivers a higher level of customer service that will result in more revenue for your dealership? We provide the tools, knowledge, and training to unlock that potential of your dealership. For more information on this topic or others, or to submit a question or to be a guest on the show, feel free to send me an email at csmith at apcoholdings.com. Brooke, that is all the time that we have for today. Thank you. Thank you so much for being a part of this episode. And I'll ask this last question like I ask every guest. Will you please come back? Oh, you, of course I will. Name it, I'll be there. Thank you for listening to National Auto Care's Fixed Ops 5 with Corey Smith. Powered by Pasha, be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast. New episodes released on the 5th and 20th of every month.